Good morning. Welcome to the first week of our new teaching series called Unseen. Well, I have a confession to make. I, I'm a big fan of hand sanitizer. Anybody else? Come on, tell the truth. Isn't that stuff awesome? If you know me very well, you know, I, I carry it around with me. I have it in my backpack. I, I have it in the door of my car. I have it on my desk. One year for Christmas, the staff got me a wall-mounted hand sanitizer dispenser that holds like a half gallon of that stuff. I mean, hand sanitizer is our friend, right? Because it kills all those nasty germs, right? They make us sick. If you just rewind in history, 120, 140 years or so, people didn't even believe germs existed. In fact, when people got sick, the best that the medical profession could come up with was the term spontaneous generation. When people got sick and died, they would say, well, what happened? Well, it just happened. They just got sick. It just people spontaneously get sick. But then people started talking about the medical professionals. Some of them started talking about these invisible things that were everywhere, but you couldn't see them. And that's what made people sick. And people dismissed it as superstition, invisible things that make us sick. Yeah, right. I mean, think about it. That's what germs are, invisible things that make us sick. And then Louis Pasteur came along and came up with this idea called the germ theory. That that's what made people sick. And he was dismissed as... Somebody that didn't use good research. And he had a hard time getting people to believe that germs existed. But today, who would argue that they exist? See, just because I can't see something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be going through a series about things that are unseen that the Bible talks about. This unseen battle that takes place just beyond our realm of vision. It's talked about in the Bible over and over again. Except the casualties aren't people getting sick because they don't use hand sanitizer. The casualties are the very souls of people. The casualties are marriages, relationships, integrity. And it's a real battle. But a lot of times we don't think about it because it's unseen. There's a book in the New Testament that gives us a little bit of insight about this battle. It's the book of Ephesians. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, please raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. It's yours to keep if you want an extra Bible or if you want to just read along in there with me today and borrow it. You can leave it in the back on your way out. All the scriptures I read from will also be on the screen. The book of Ephesians was written by a guy named the Apostle Paul, and he actually wrote this and other letters uh, while he was in prison. And although it's called Ephesians because some scholars believe, most scholars believe it was written primarily to a church in a place called Ephesus, it was really circulated among all first century churches in that area of the world. And it's, it's got a lot of great teachings about salvation, about how to live life in Christ, how to treat each other. But as he ends out this letter, 
called Ephesians, there's this bit of advice about how to deal with battles that we all face. And it's in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So for the next three weeks, we're going to examine this verse as we talk about this unseen world that's as real as germs are. That's as real as the one we see. You don't have to look long at our world to see that the battle between good and evil is a real battle. Just turn on the news. People fighting each other. Countries killing each other. Political parties spewing nasty things about each other. People fighting to the death for whatever their cause is. There is a real battle. And you may be just sitting here today thinking, yep, I'm in a battle. You may be thinking about a person you're in a battle with that, that if God could just allow them to be run over by a bus, your life would go much better. Or maybe you have the boss that you believe has, has risen up from the pits of hell to be your boss and a slow and painful death for them would be the best thing that could happen. We all have conflict. We all have enemies. But the enemy is not the person with whom you disagree. It's not your boss. It's not your husband. It's not the person who betrayed you. Teenagers, it's not your parents. They're not your enemies. The enemy is much deeper. The enemy is one that leads the evil side of this unseen spiritual battle. There's three things in this verse that that we read through in Ephesians 6 that we are going to talk about each of the three weeks. The spiritual battle, what is the battle? I'm talking about that today. And then the good side of the battle and the evil side of the battle. We need to look at those a little more in depth and see, well, who are the players in this battle? And how how does evil work against me? How does good work for me? How can I tap in to the good when I'm in a battle? So if you're taking notes, the first thing you need to know as you're going through this battle is what we see is not all there is. I mean, we know that. We know there are things that we don't see that are happening. Things in a spiritual realm. Maybe even things in a scientific realm. There are just things that happen that we don't have knowledge of. We don't have a vision to see it. But nevertheless, it's still going on. You know, when you're up in an airplane, I still love to get the window seat. I'm like a kid. I love to sit and look out the window because try to figure out what city it is. And, figure, and, and when you see a city, you recognize it's like, oh, I didn't know it was, it was tilted that way or it was shaped that way. Because when you're 30,000 feet up, you have a view that you couldn't possibly get on the ground. So when you're down on the ground looking around horizontally, there's things that you just miss and you don't see. But when you're up above it all, you see something differently. And that's what we're trying to do in this series and looking at this unseen battle that takes place. 
C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters. And it's a book about a conversation between these two demons, a senior demon and this younger demon who had just who had just became a demon and, and however that happened. And they're having this conversation and the older demon is trying to tell the younger one, this is how you tempt people. This is how you get humans to do what you want. This is fiction. All right. Don't be freaking out on me. This is, these two demons are having this conversation and CS Lewis writes this fictional conversation down. But in one part of the book, the older demon says this to the younger one. Thanks to the process which we set at work in them centuries ago, human beings find it all but impossible to believe in the unfamiliar when the familiar is set before their eyes. I mean, that was written in the 1940s. So there is this unfamiliar, unseen, spiritual world that many times we don't even take into account when we're going through difficulties in life. I mean, there has to be more than just this. I mean, wouldn't it be cruel if this was all there is? If this life, this span that we get to breathe air and live, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be really cruel if it was just you live life, you take a dirt nap for eternity and it's over? I mean, that would be horrible. There's much more than what we see. There's much more than just this short span of time that we get to live. The spiritual forces know that, good and evil, and that determines how they go about their battle. A few things we need to know about this good and evil battle. Especially when we're looking at the evil side. Satan, we're going to talk all about Satan next week where he came from, what his purposes are, how much power he has, how much power he doesn't have. You've ever wondered, like, where did Satan come from and who created Satan and how how, how does he interact with people? Come next week and hear what we have to say because he's the author of evil. And here's a fact about evil. Evil creeps up on me. You know, I, I, I get this really weird thrill out of scaring people. <laughs> I don't know why. My kids have nerves of steel, you know, because they know dad's around the corner. It's going to just, he's going to scare us. One day I decided I was going to have a little fun with our site pastor, Rob Perry. Cinda dropped me off at the office. So there's no other cars in the parking lot. It was really early in the morning. My car was in the shop. And so she dropped me off. I go upstairs and I'm I'm looking out the window and I see Rob pull in knowing that he thinks no one else is there. I was like, oh, golden. It's going to be perfect. Keep everybody on their toes. Turn the alarm back on. I go in the copy room and I hide. And Rob comes in and he didn't see me. And he turned around and started walking back towards his office. And I just started creeping up on him. Oh my goodness. And when he saw me, I actually had my phone like this, taping it the whole time. It was so funny. I, I fell on the floor laughing. And as I was telling this story first service, I realized I just put myself in the place of evil, which is not really what I went to do, but it meant to do. But it works. Evil creeps up on us like that. When we least expect it, when we don't think evil is behind us, when we don't think evil is in front of us, all of a sudden you look up and think, oh my goodness. And you didn't realize it because it was a slow creep. A slow compromise, one right after the other, 
Oh, that's no big deal. That's not a big thing. We could do that. It's just one look. It's just one little flirt. It's just one little conversation. It's not a big deal. It's just one charge on the credit card and one more and one more. It's not a big deal. And then evil just creeps up on us. If you don't believe evil creeps up, if I wanted to, I'm not going to do it. If I wanted to, I could put the cover of a 1950s Playboy magazine on the screen and none of you would be offended by it. You wouldn't. Because it's, it's probably just a woman in a, in a one-piece bathing suit. Big deal. There is no way I could put the cover from any magazine like that today on the screen without you going for your kid's eyes or your husband's eyes. Making sure they didn't look. Because it'd be vulgar. Something you wouldn't want to see. Where did, where did that change? Well, it was just a little bit more and just a little bit more and just a little bit more. But if you look at the big contrast between then and between now, it's huge because of this creeping little compromise made time after time. Anybody in here like cage fighting, like watching it? You're, there's not, you're not right. There's something wrong with you if you really... <laughs> like watching people pummel each other. I mean, there are almost, there are almost no rules except stay inside the cage. I mean, they can hit the ground. It's not like old fashioned boxing where somebody falls and you, and you back off. I mean, they can just get on them and just wail on them. I read one sociologist say that within 50 years, he predicted that there would be full on death matches. You're probably going, really? 50 years? Am I going to live? How did that, how did we get there? How did we get to where that's okay? When I was in school, like elementary school, there were words you couldn't say. If if you couldn't even say, if you would have said the word condom, that was a trip to the principal's office. No matter how you said it, no matter in what context, you know, the teacher would have just pointed at the door, go talk to the principal. You don't say words like that in my classroom. But yet, recently... The state of Massachusetts just voted one of the school districts that it was okay to distribute condoms to elementary kids. And one of the people on the school board said this. Parents have plenty to say to their children. But if we're going to have condoms available for children, it has to be confidential. See how that that little compromise and then compromise because it started with high schoolers getting them and or college kids getting them and then high schoolers getting them and then, and then in vending machines for middle schoolers. And now here you go, little fourth graders, just in case it's ridiculous. Just one little compromise after another. And that's how evil creeps up on us. One little thing after another. And before you realize it, you're in a full blown battle with evil. The Bible talks about this author of evil, Satan. In the book of Second First Peter, chapter five, verse eight, it says, "Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour." And if you've ever watched the National Geographic Channel, when they follow those lions around, and it's time for dinner, they're out in this field and they circle a, a, a bunch of gazelle or zebras. And they're out there and they're, they're all around them. And the zebras or the gazelle, they're just out there. They're just enjoying lunch. And they're just eating the grass. They're just hanging out with the family. But what they don't realize is just beyond where they can see, the lion's getting closer 
and closer and closer. And usually if the lion is effective, by the time the animal, the prey sees it, it's too late. It's already going to get killed. It's already going to be get eaten. That's how Satan looks at us. And if he can just get us to pay attention to all this other physical stuff long enough while he creeps up on us, while he gets a little bit closer, then there are going to be more casualties in the battle than if we were to be vigilant and pay attention and not compromise. Think about it. If you were in charge of evil, what would be the best thing to do? Well, have people doing evil things that they don't realize they're evil things. That'd be perfect. Then, you know, you can like let them alone. You don't have to worry about it. If you were going to draw a line, this is evil right here. Evil's on this side. Good is on this side. Would you put the line out in the open where everybody could see it? No, you would, you would back up well inside of evil. By the time people start asking the question, it's like when the gazelle looks up and the lion is in full attack mode, it's too late. And what gets you across the line? One little compromise, another little compromise, something that doesn't seem that bad. One more, one after another. Living too close to the line will get you over the line really fast. How do you fight that? Because we all live in a world that is full of temptation. I could find it really fast. You can too. How do you fight it? First Corinthians chapter 16 says this, be on your guard Stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. See, even though the evil one is very powerful, he's not all powerful. Even though he's smart, he's not all knowing. Even though he is a warrior, he can be defeated. And when I hear stories of people who talk to me, who have given in, And say things like, I never intended for it to get here. I never intended to be this far off track. And I say, well, how do you think you got there? Well, back here, I made a decision to compromise. That verse from Ephesians that I read at the beginning talks about putting on the full armor of God. And it talks about these different military type armors. And what that is referring to is not literal armor. It's talking about character and integrity, doing what's right. See, we all fight this battle. Nobody's got it down perfectly. Nobody says, well, I never go towards evil. That's no problem with me. I never have a problem with that. If you say that, then you have a problem with that. We all fight the battle. We all have victories. We all mess up. What do we do? None of us wants to run towards evil. How do we keep it from creeping up on us? How do we deal with it when we've stepped across the line? You need to realize this. When you fight in this battle, realize I'm not alone in my battles. The the darkest time is when we think we're alone. But even if you feel like you're alone, it, it, it doesn't mean that you're alone. Because there are, there is this spiritual force, these spiritual beings literally around us. There's a story in the Old Testament that, that kind of peels back 
the physical and lets us see, hey, God really is at work for us behind the scenes where we can't even see, where we don't even know. When, is, when the, the nation of Israel was in battle with the king of Aram, there was a servant who got in this dialogue with a guy named Elisha. And the servant was taking care of the camp, taking, taking inventory, seeing what was going on. And the servant walks outside and he sees all of these chariots and warriors and armies ready to attack the nation of Israel. So he goes back to the king and he says, you know, the, the king of Aram, they're ready to attack. They're going to get us. They're going to kill us. What are we going to do? And listen to this conversation. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots surrounded the city. Oh my Lord, what shall we do? I mean, he looked at the physical and said, what are we going to do? There's a lot more warriors out there than there are in here. The ones out there are stronger. There's too many. We can't defeat them. What are we going to do? And Elisha says a prayer to God for this servant that's trying to protect the king. Verse 17, he says, it says, and Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So he looked at the physical and he filled up with fear, but then God allowed his eyes to be open and he could see this spiritual world. And he knew, all right, it's going to be okay because God's fighting for us in a way that we can't even comprehend. And if you feel like you're at the end of your rope, what am I going to do? How are we going to get out of debt? How are we going to fix this problem in our family? How are we going to find more money? How are we going to get another job? How are we going to pay for the house? How are we going to do this stuff? Realize there is a spiritual battle going on to suck all the joy out of your life. But if you will just really open your eyes and realize there's the, there are the forces of good and evil battling. Battling to help me get out of a jam. Battling to help me understand that there's a God who loves me. There's a God who wants me to know that he's protecting me. And all this is taking place out there in, in, a, in an unseen world that we sometimes just completely dismiss. So if you're asking yourself, what am I going to do? Just remember, it's much deeper than what you just look around and see. Another thing to remember as we fight this spiritual battle is my prayers are more powerful than I realize. Now, maybe some of you never pray. Maybe you never, you never sit and talk to God. You never verbally say, God, I need you. I need to hear from you. But prayer, that's all it is. It's just communicating with with God in a way that acknowledges him, but also requests deliverance, protection, forgiveness. And if you're just checking out church and you've never prayed before, start because your prayers have way more power than you know. Now, we tend to think of prayer sometimes as like a Christmas list or, you know, the the request line like, hey, God, got a problem. Can you help me out? And God always listens. He always answers, maybe not in the timing we want, 
or it may not even be the answer we want. But when we pray, heaven moves. There's another story in the Old Testament about a prophet named Daniel who prayed and nothing happened. And then he prayed again and nothing happened. In fact, for three weeks, Daniel was looking for this direction from God and he was not getting it. And then finally, this angel shows up to speak to Daniel and listen what the conversation sounded like. Don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I've come in answer to your prayer, but for 21 days, the spirit of the prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. I left him there with the spirit of the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future. For this vision concerns a time yet to come. So sometimes you get really clear answers. Sometimes you don't. But you can look at this verse and see, this story, and see that God acts when we pray. And this is another one of those Episodes in scripture where it kind of peels back reality and allows us to see beyond the physical to see that there really is a spiritual battle going on. I mean, all that might sound really weird to you. And if you're here for the first time, you might be going, man, that was a strange, that was a strange thing to talk about. But, but there really is. And, and even if, even for people who, who aren't into church, or don't follow Christ. They need to understand too. Th- this is a spiritual existence. Not just a physical one. And when we learn how to fight spiritually. We are one step closer. To realizing the victory that exists. In the spiritual battle. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 and 4 says. For though we live in the world. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. So when you fight the spiritual battle that we're going to just really get deeper into talking about over the next few weeks, you need to realize this. We don't fight to win the battle. We fight because the battle has already been won. See, the battle really took place 2,000 years ago when Jesus came to earth, had his ministry, died, buried, rose again, defeated evil forever. But now there's this battle going on as long as we're in the physical for our souls, for our joy, for our marriages, for our children, for our relationships. For our peace on this earth, the battle will never end. But it's not a battle that we can't win. In fact, it's one that we can win. 1 John 4 verse 4 says, You dear children are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. See, it's a battle that Jesus fought and won for us. So when we follow him, the war is won. Even though there's battles, even though because of our compromise and allowing evil to creep up on us, bad things happen. Even though for sometimes for no apparent reason, bad things happen. The war has still 
been won. And it's real. There's a limit. There is a limit. I don't want to send everybody away being scared of evil because there's a limit to what the evil can do to us. And we're going to talk more about that next week. Please come back and check out as we go deeper into this idea of this unseen spiritual battle that we all deal with. And don't let evil creep up on you this week. Let's pray. God, thank you for this reminder that there's a battle that takes place. And God, we want to be on your side. God, help us when we compromise. Help us when we make mistakes. And God, help us to open our eyes and see that with you, the war will always be won. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.